Well, as I said, I was on vacation the last couple weeks with my wife's family. There were 15 of us uh, that were in a cabin uh, in Pigeon Forge, Gatlinburg area. And we spent the week there just kind of relaxing and doing some hiking and different things. And uh, my in-laws were very generous and, and got a cabin for us. And in this area where the cabin was, uh, there were multiple cabins. But when you pulled in, there was a sign uh, that we saw as we, as we pulled in. And that may not be a surprise to many of you if you've been into uh, that area, but if you, if you can't see that real well, it says, beware of bears, do not approach or feed. I don't need the second part. Um, I know if there's a bear, I'm, I'm for the most part, not going to approach it too close or attempt to, to feed it. But what was interesting is we see this sign. Uh, we had quite a few of, obviously, my children were with us, but then my nieces and nephews, they were there as well. And the question they kept asking was, are there really bears here? But they see the sign and they're like, okay, are there, are there bears in the area? And I'm like, well, if there's a sign, there probably are bears in the area. And so a few days after getting there, we went into the Smoky Mountains and we went into something, an area that's called Cades Cove. It's this area drive through and uh, we went in to take pictures as a family and, and we're there taking pictures and about 20 yards behind us, this black bear comes out of this tall grass. And I always thought it'd be really cool to see a bear um, until you see a bear at like 20 yards away. And so we, we, we got close enough to it. We could see it and we continued to take pictures as she, we think, went off. And then, and then a few minutes later, a cub comes running by in front of us. And the, the other one was pretty cool. But with a cub, I thought there's going to be another one probably close behind. And so we got out of there pretty quickly. But it was amazing. We saw four bears in Cade's Cove. And so as soon as we get back, again, the kids are like, are there bears? Are there bears here? And so the, the last night we were there, uh, I came out of our cabin and there were people just kind of standing in front of our cabin looking down the road. Well, in our area that we had trash cans and all the trash cans locked. If you've ever been in an area with bears, you have to lock all your trash up. But they were building a cabin and they had a large dumpster out in front of the cabin and everyone was throwing their trash in that dumpster. And so there was a couple of families there and they said, yeah, there's a, there's a bear down in the dumpster. I wouldn't go down there. And so they left. And I looked at my brother-in-law. And we kind of had this look and we were like, let's go, let's go kind of approach the bear and see if we can see it. And so we, we walked down a little ways and he's down in the dumpster and we can't see it. And then we see it, right? It raises up out of the dumpster. My brother-in-law has a few choice words. Uh, we come uh, walking quickly back away from the dumpster. We go back into our cabin and we go back and we're like, there are bears in the area, all right? We just saw a bear. It's in the dumpster. And all the kids are like, we want to see it. And so we bring them out front and they... They look down and it's getting kind of dark at this point. And, uh, and so you can't really see the bear. And so we loaded them in a car and we drove down next to the dumpster with nine of us in this small SUV. We just piled in and we got up next to the dumpster and we're next to the dumpster and this bear comes up on top of the dumpster and everyone screams, right? This, uh, this bear gets up on the dumpster, everyone screams. And it was in that moment the kids realized that the sign was real. It was in that moment that they were no longer wondering or questioning, are there bears in the area? Because they had experienced it for themselves. It wasn't even just me telling them, hey, there are bears in the area. I mean, they wanted to see it for themselves. And so we were literally five yards away from a black bear in the dumpster as it gets out and runs into the woods. Now, over the last few months, we have been looking through this book called Galatians, this letter that a guy named Paul writes. And he's writing to a group of people who have heard and experienced the gospel. 
the good news of Jesus. I'll talk briefly in a moment about what the gospel is. But they hear this and they believe it, right? They experience it for themselves. But then something happens. Uh, Paul, who writes this, was not a follower of Jesus. He hated Christians. He was persecuting Christians. And then at some point he has this encounter, right? Early, if you can remember, he has this but God moment. This moment where God begins to do something in Paul's life. And Paul has a conversion experience. He begins to follow Jesus and his life is forever changed. He then begins to help other people follow Jesus. And then he writes these letters to these churches all over the area. Well, the the letter to the Galatians is about a group of people who have really forgotten their experience. That, That there was a group of people who came in and led them astray. If you weren't here um, in, in the very beginning of Galatians, if you don't own a Bible, there should be a Bible around you uh, somewhere. I would encourage you to get that. This, this won't be on the screen, but this is what Paul says in the very beginning. And this is why we as a group have spent so much time looking at this letter to the Galatians. This is what Paul says. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. And so what Paul had come in and said was, it is grace and grace alone. Like the gospel, the good news, this is what it looks like. That we were created to be in right relationship with God. That everything was good as God created. And through Adam and Eve, there's this fall, there's this rebellion against God that even had an impact on you and me. And so Paul in another letter says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that every one of us have messed up, that we are messing up and going against what God would have for us. And so because of that, there's this separation. And every one of us, whether you believe in God or not, have felt that. You have felt it when you've made a decision you wish you wouldn't have made. When something's happened in your life and you can't put words to it and you're in kind of this moment where things are just not going like you want. You know the things you should do and you don't do them. The things you shouldn't do, you find yourself doing. And so no matter what you believe about God, all of us have experienced that. And what happens is we all try and fill that with something. We try and figure out, well, how do I get rid of that feeling or that emotion? And Paul is telling the church, he's telling these people, don't you remember the grace of God? Don't you remember Jesus and the sacrifices he's made? The only reason, the only reason and the only way we can be in right standing with God is through Jesus and what he's done for us, not on your own. So there is no good deed. You could never do enough. You can't make enough good decisions to put yourself back in right standing with God. It is only by grace alone. But there were these group of people who were coming into this area and they're like, yeah, yeah, we know you've heard about Jesus and that is good news, uh, but you need to do some more. And what they were wanting them to do is to become Jewish, to follow these traditions and rituals And that's what would put you in right standing with God. And Paul is saying, that's a perversion of the gospel. I'm astounded. I can't believe that you've been so easily led astray. And so can you imagine if on Saturday morning, my son who's eight came to me and said, hey, dad, are there really bears in the area? Are there really bears here? And it would be this moment where I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. you experienced it for yourself last night, bud. Like you saw it with your own eyes. You know that there are bears here. Yeah, I just, I'm not sure. And this is what's happening. The group of people believed it for themselves, that grace was enough, and then they were led astray. 
And so we've spent a couple of months literally walking through this and saying, okay, well, what does this really look like? What does this look like for our own lives? How does this change who we are? And the, the scary thing, I think, for many of us is at some point you have intellectually believed this. You've been around church for a long time. You've heard this spoken about for a long time. You've memorized scripture. You know it in your head, but has it really gotten into your heart? Do you just know about God or do you really know him? Do you know the work of Jesus? I shared uh, a few months ago into this. I was at the Masters and I had this experience where I hung out with Tiger Woods for like 30 seconds. He was a little close to me. And, and I told you that, that Tiger Woods would never remember this, right? The PGA is coming to St. Louis. I'm not going to show up and Tiger's going to be like, Kyle, remember when we hung out at the Masters? That was amazing. Like, no, no, no. I know all about Tiger. I know a lot about Tiger, but I don't know Tiger. I don't, I, he doesn't know me, right? And my fear is that for many of us, that has been your story with the church and with the gospel. As you have known about it, but, but I don't know if it's really sank into your heart. And if you've really believed that the good news is not just for somebody else, but it's actually for you. Like it really is, it's for you. No matter what you've done, no matter what your life has looked like, no matter what your parents have done, no matter the situation you've come from, the good news is for you. And then you have to believe it. You have to experience it for yourself. And we said when that happens, it doesn't only impact you, but it impacts a whole community. It impacts your family. It impacts relationships, right? There's this idea of this gospel community. And we looked at that uh, together. We've looked at this idea that we bear one another's burdens, that we care for one another. Something happens when we believe the gospel. Well, we've come to the end. I don't know if that's good for you, if you're like, I thought this would never happen, uh, or if it's been a, a good series, but we're at the end. And I think one of the most important scriptures in my own life is in this text, something that I remind myself often when things become difficult. And so we're going we're gonna to finish up with this today. Again, if you don't have a Bible, uh, there is a Bible around you somewhere. That's our gift to you. Please take it. We're going to look at Galatians 6, 7 through 18. Uh, I'm going to read the whole thing, and then I'm going to spend most of our time uh, in 7 through 10. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at a proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to make good impressions outwardly are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised obey the law, yet they want you to be circumcised, that you may boast about your flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision means anything. What counts as a new creation, peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, even to the Israel of God. Finally, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. So right here in the very beginning, verse 7, 
Paul gives kind of a warning. And I just want to encourage you, anytime you're reading the scriptures and you, you see something like, don't be deceived or be aware or woe to, like that is a moment where you want to stop and pause and pay attention to what the author is saying. He says, do not be deceived. Do not be led astray. Uh, don't be fooled. He's saying it's dangerous to believe you are right when you are wrong. Paul is saying some of you have held on to something that you believe to be right when you absolutely know it's not the truth. He's saying don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. When we believe that we are right or when we believe something is true about God when it is not, we are making a mockery of who God is. You might wonder, well, how does that work? And we've talked about a couple of errors. And so for some of you, this is going to be a repeat and a reminder of a couple of the, the things we've, we've talked about. But there's two really clear ways that we mock God. And it's two errors when it comes to the gospel. And the first one is legalism. Legalism is this idea that I have to add to the good news, that the grace of God, there's no way that could be enough. And for some of you, you believe that in the beginning, like your life was in a place where you heard about God's grace and you're like, that is the greatest news I've ever heard. I don't know where else to go. I'm going to receive this grace and believe it. But then something happened, right? And you, you quit believing the signs that the bears were real. And you bought into this lie that the grace wasn't enough for you. It wasn't enough to sustain you when you went off the path a little ways. And so you begin to think, well, I just got to add to the good news of Jesus, and we do that in a lot of ways. We do that in attendance here on Sunday mornings. And this is a place where we come to be encouraged and hopefully supported and, and a place that you feel lost when you're not here and you miss it when you're gone. But just let me, let me remind you, it does not put you in any more right standing with God than it was before. The only thing that does is God's grace, not just showing up somewhere. Now, don't get me wrong. You may not have a pastor who's ever said something in the sense of don't show up to church. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. This is a great place to find yourself on Sunday mornings. But I promise you don't need to add to the grace of God. Uh, I spent this last week with our uh, boys at boys camp. Um, we had 14 in our, in our group. And uh, each morning and night we would have chapel and someone would stand and speak. And they did a really good job. But there were moments there were moments when they were speaking that it felt like they were telling the boys to just change their behaviors, right? There, there's this idea that behavior modification is what will put me in right standing with God. That I, if I'm just a good person, if I just don't do wrong, then everything is going to be okay. Paul would say that is a perversion of the gospel. It's no gospel at all that we are being led astray if we think I can just modify the way I live and everything will be okay. That is legalism. That is making a mockery of God and saying, look, I can do this on my own. I can just be really good. I'll show up to church. I'll read my Bible every day and I'll pray all the time. And if I do that, then God will be happy with me. We're making a mockery of the grace of God that we're not really believing that we need Jesus and so legalism is one side, but the other side is just this license. So we believe in the good news of, of God. We believe in this grace and forgiveness. And then we think, well, I'll just do whatever I want because I know that God is going to forgive me, which he does forgive us. But we make this grace of God, we kind of make it cheap, right? It's making a mockery of what God has done for us. 
Paul in chapter five says, it is for freedom that you have been set free, right? It's not just about experiencing this grace and then going back to the things that enslave us and put us in bondage. Like there's this idea of being free from those things. So legalism, license, both are ways that we can make a mockery of God. And Paul is saying, don't deceive yourself. Don't, don't go down a road that's not true. Don't, don't believe something that's not real. God will not and cannot be mocked. And then he says, a man reaps what he sows. This is one of the scriptures I think most of us understand. I don't think you have to be a farmer to understand this scripture. Uh, whatever seed you put in the ground is what is going to come up, right? So we have the farmland kind of around us. The, the farmer comes in and he plants seeds. And he, I promise he's not surprised when wheat comes up. Right? He's not shocked and think, oh, I thought I was planting corn, right? He plants corn he sows corn, he reaps corn, right? And it's Paul is saying, look, whatever you sow, you will reap. Whatever you plant into your life, whatever you put good into your life, there is going to be a harvest that comes from it. And we know this. This is one of those things that I think is really evident in our lives. That some of us are reaping some things right now that are really good, and we can look back and we can say, man, the reason that is coming into my life is not only for the grace of God, but I've, I've been following what God wants for my life. I've been sowing good seed into my life and into my relationships and I've lived a certain way. And so there's a harvest that we are reaping. And then there's some of us that there's some consequences that we're dealing with. Whether it's broken relationships, hurt and pain, it's a decision that we made at some point and it's led us to where we are. When Paul says we reap what we sow, we, we know that. Now, in saying that, there are also some times in our lives when things happen that are completely out of our control. And God is not a vengeful God who is looking for you to mess up and will at some point punish you. He, he's not waiting and you're not going to get sick or have some financial issues. And the thought is not that you need to look back and think, well, what did I do wrong? Sometimes some things happen. Sometimes some things happen that we can't control and we can't explain, and I'm not even going to attempt to do that. But I do know in my own life, there have been times where I reap a harvest that is good and I can look back and I can know it's because I was sowing and planting good seed in my life. And there are times at different places in my life where I was not reaping a good harvest. And I know it's because I was not sowing good seed into my life. Paul is saying we reap what we sow. And so if we want healthy, productive friendships, when we make an investment in those relationships, or you want a joy-filled marriage, you, you want a, a healthy marriage, well, there's some things that you do that help you get to that place. Or if you want to live a generous life, there's decisions that you make that help you live a generous life. If you want your spiritual life to grow and you want to have uh, spiritual health, and then there's decisions that you make. We, we will not just wake up one day and be more godly. We won't wake up one more day and, and look more like Jesus. There are decisions that we make that help us get there. I follow quite a few guys uh, who do CrossFit. I don't know if you know this uh, workout program. It's pretty extreme and they flip tires and they, I mean, there's just all kinds of crazy stuff they do. And, and I follow a lot of guys who do it and I watch the video of them doing it, but I've never done it, right? I've never done CrossFit, so I am not going to benefit by other people doing CrossFit. I'm not going to benefit by watching other people exercise and eat healthy. The only way I benefit is when I put that into my own life. You have to sow 
good seed, especially spiritual seed, if you want to grow in your relationship with God. And here's the good news. You don't have to plant massive, massive amount of seeds. You don't have to plant large seeds to reap a harvest. Paul is saying, you, you will reap what you sow. So if you just sow something, just sow something, and there will be a harvest that you reap from it. I, I, when I lived in California, my wife and I spent a little bit of time up in Northern California, and we went up into Yosemite. And I don't know if you've ever seen the giant redwood trees or the giant sequoias. Uh, they're these massive trees. Here's the seed of those trees. Right? It's, it's tiny. It's, it's really no different than a lot of seeds that would be planted for, for other things. But I don't know if you've ever seen these trees. Here's a picture of, of these trees. You can see at the bottom the, the person standing there. But these trees can grow to 300 feet. Uh, there's a famous uh, uh, redwood that's 100 feet wide. Like they're just massive trees. But, but it started with a very small seed through watering and being taken care of by, by just nature, it grows into a monster of a tree. For some of you, it's just going to be planting a little seed. That you just do something that, that I think for many of us, when it comes to our spiritual life, we compare ourselves to other people. And so because we think I can't do it like them or I've never read through the Bible in a year and I'm going to start and then you get to Leviticus and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And so you, you work through, you work through like, this expectation of what you're going to do. But here's what I'm saying. Just begin to read. Like maybe don't start there. Maybe start in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, if you have a smartphone and you don't have the Version app, can I just encourage you to do that? Here's just a, a slide of it. Uh, the Version app has uh, been a great invention. Uh, the, the, the use of technology to put the Bible in people's hands all the time. Uh, there's so many reading plans. It will remind you to read. You can pick all kinds of topics. If you're dealing with anxiety or worry or business, what, what, there are all kinds of reading plans. There's some that are 90 days. There are some that are three days. What, what if you just said, I'm, I'm going to begin to just plant a little bit of seed in my life, a little spiritual seed that, that possibly would grow into something, that, that maybe the, the harvest you will reap would be something good in relationships. That, that maybe those things that are difficult maybe wouldn't be quite so difficult or the issues you're having in your life, you're able to get through. Not that they might go away, but maybe you can just persevere and make it through them. That maybe you could just begin to, to plant just a little seed. That maybe you just begin to pray for five minutes. That maybe you just pray for your food every day. And this isn't a, a legalistic thing where you're, you're hoping that you get something from it, that I'm trying to please God or get more grace from God. no, no, no. You've understood grace if you have. If you've received that in your life, well, then the thought is, well, I want to grow. I want to get to know more about Jesus. I want to know more about this grace. I want to see how it impacts my, my life. And so you begin to plant some of these seeds and then you begin to reap a harvest. Well, what kind of harvest? Paul says a man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. He's really talking about what he already talked about in, in chapter 5. You could go back and you could see the, the list of the destruction uh, that comes in our life, that the destruction is this decay or death. Personally, relationally, we see it in communities. And so unfortunately, we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't, shouldn't be surprised when we go against what God has for us and things don't go well. 
that, that many times the decisions that we make are going to lead us down a certain path. And Paul is saying, would you just know that? Would you just believe that? But those who sow, those who sow to please the Spirit, to, to please God, the, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. One of the hardest things for me sometimes as a dad is to say, I told you so. If you're a parent and you have kids and you warn them and you tell them, don't don't do that. If you do that, you're going to get hurt. And if you have a boy especially, uh, they'll almost still do it. And uh, I fight off often, right? I fight it often as my son comes to me in tears because he just did what I told him not to do and he hurts himself. It takes everything in me not to say, "I, I told you, buddy. I told you that your decision was going to lead you down that, that path. And I don't think God's standing up there saying, I told you so. But man, I do believe that God wants to give you an abundant life. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says he's come to give you life and to give it abundantly. And so I, I think there's some things that we can begin to do in our lives to reap that. And so if you want to Reap the fruit of the Spirit, so love and joy and peace and patience. You begin to sow things in your life that will help you begin to reap that. I don't think that's just by accident. And so I think for many of us who confess to follow Jesus, um, there are some things in our life we need to pay attention to. There's some decisions or some situations, or maybe we've just kind of put our relationship with God on the back burner. I know it's there. It's been there before. And so we see things begin to go differently in our our lives. And just let me tell you, you'll never be perfect. That's not what this is about. You'll make mistakes. You'll go down the path that you shouldn't go down. And and that's where grace sustains us and it it pulls us back. But but can I just say that that for, for many people who confess to follow Jesus, Uh, There are decisions that are made and there are beliefs that are had that are so far away from who God is. And I think the hard thing for me is when I see people who confess to follow Jesus who really look a little, just a little like Jesus, if anything. They, They don't look anything like what I read in the scriptures. So whether it's judgment or hatred or complaining or being critical or gossip or being self-seeking or jealousy, right? These are the destruction things that we, that we talked about. But, but man, when those who have experienced God's grace, if you really believe God's grace, we begin to push those things away. Uh, Brendan Manning, who's one of my favorite authors, and I think I've read this before, he says this, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. This is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. And so again, it's not that you have to be perfect. You, you cling to God's grace and when you mess up, you, you confess and you, you understand that you've messed up. But man, when the gospel takes a hold, the good news takes a hold of your heart, there should be this transformation that takes place. That we begin to look different because of who God is and what God has done in our life. This isn't something that takes legalism or it's not something we go to license. It is a true understanding of the goodness of God. And then here's the verse that I cling to often. It says this in verse nine, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Tired? Like Jesus at one point says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, those who are burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Many of you are tired from even doing good. And you're trying to forgive the one who has hurt you so much and they're not willing to come anywhere closer to you. And so it's hard. You're trying to do good and you are growing weary. And there's a point where you're like, I just want to give up. You're, you're trying to help people who, who don't seem to respond or they're ungrateful or you've helped them and they've let you down. Right? There is this moment where you become weary and Paul is saying, don't, go, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. Hold on to the grace of God because in the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. So let me just tell you, don't give up. Those things you are doing good, the, the, the places you're volunteering, the people that you're giving a voice to, that you're fighting for, the relationships you're, you're fighting for, the, the forgiveness you're trying to give to someone, like don't give up. Don't give up. Don't, don't grow weary. And when you do grow weary, would you just have the strength that God could give you? Would you ask him to, to help you not to give up? And because here is the reason I think many of us give up. is because there are cynical, negative people around us. There are people who will tell you, you don't need to forgive them. You, you don't need to, to work through forgiveness. And so then we begin to question and we grow weary because we know what God wants for us. And so that is one reason, or the hypercritical if you're doing good and you're trying to make a difference and you're investing in people's lives and, and there's just people who are critical around you or people are entitled or ungrateful, there are those people who just seem to let us down that they're not committed. Would you not grow weary in doing good? Would you believe that whatever God has called you to do will get you through it? He'll give you the strength and the guidance. Would you not give up? Would you not give up? Maybe you've just gotten to the point where you just feel like it's not going to work out. It's not good enough. You're not reaping it. Maybe you've been reading scripture. You've been praying and you're thinking, man, I'm still doubting. I'm not seeing anything change in my life. Would you not give up? When you grow weary, would you not give up? And the harvest that we may reap, maybe not right now. It might be way down the road. And sometimes the difficult thing is someone else might reap the harvest that you've been planting and sowing. Really quickly, there was a guy in California named Alexander. I think I've told this story before. Uh, he was an alcoholic. He was homeless. I, he walked into our church building one day. I helped him get a shower. I dropped him off at a cemetery where he slept. I began to meet with him and, and spend time with him and I tried to get him help. And time after time, I'd set up a place for him to go and get clean. And every time he wouldn't show up. I got tired. I got tired and I moved away from there and I just have always wondered what's happened in Alexander's life. And my hope has always been and my prayer has always been that someone else is reaping a harvest. And here's the deal. I've had lots of Alexanders. And there are moments where you just want to give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Then he says this. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all People, not just some people, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So we're going to do good to the cynical and the selfish and the critical, and we're going to continue to do good to all people, not just some people, not to those who we think deserve it, not to those who are living the right lifestyle, but we're going to try to do good to all 
people. Bob Goff, uh, who wrote Love Does, I'd encourage you to read that if you've never read it. Bob Goff, Love Does. He's got a book right now, Everybody Always, I'm looking at, and it's about loving difficult people. And this is what Bob Goff writes. He says, Jesus talked to his friends a lot, so his disciples. Jesus talked to his friends a lot about how we should identify ourselves. He said it wouldn't be what we said we believed or all the good we hope to do someday. Nope. He said we would identify ourselves simply by how we loved people. It's tempting to think there's more to it, but there's not. Love isn't something we fall into. Love is someone we become. Paul is saying, don't grow weary in doing good. You are going to reap a harvest. When you sow, you will reap. And he says, you do good to all people, to everybody, always when you have the opportunities. And then Paul ends it, this part, with especially those who are in the family of believers. There is something I hope you experience where you're, when you're here and the longer you're here that we are in this together. That when one person succeeds and there's joy and accomplishment, we celebrate together. When there's mourning and grieving, we grieve with one another. When there's a need, we, we step up when we can, whether it's time or resources. We are better together and we are in this with one another. That Paul says, do good to everybody always, but especially the family of believers. That if you know of a need of someone and you have the ability to do something, we do it. And at some point, there will be a harvest that is reaped for them or for you. But the reason we do this is because God has been good to us. Paul has kind of come full circle and he says it's the grace of God and the grace of God only and it changes our lives. And the only way we can do this is because he has been good to us when we were not good to him. That in our despair and in our destruction and difficult decisions, God has come and intervened and extended grace to you and me when we didn't deserve it. And so because of that, if that's really transformed us and changed us, then our response is to love others, to do good to all people, whenever the opportunity comes up, especially the family of believers. And I'll read this in the end. He continues through and he reminds people of, if you haven't been around church and he talks about circumcision and uncircumcision, that was a Jewish tradition and that was a sign that you were in right standing with God. And so when these early people began to follow Jesus, there was no need to do that anymore. Something else was happening. And so the Jewish people were coming behind and saying, no, 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 no you still need to do these things. And that was the legalistic part of it. And Paul's going to go through that again. And we've looked at that. And then verse 14, he says this, may it never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. I'm never going to boast about how good I am or all the good I've done. The only thing I will boast about is how good God has been to me. That is the only thing we'll boast about is Jesus' work on the cross and how it changes and transforms our lives. And then he says, through which the world has been crucified to me. There is nothing in this world that will solve all of your problems. There is nobody or nothing that will make you feel complete. Those things die to us and we believe that God is enough, that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message that Paul has been trying to get past and, and to people over and over and over again is that God's grace is enough. It is enough for you to get through the difficult relationships. It is enough for you to be in right standing and understand the love God has for you. And it is enough for you to live in such a way where it benefits the people around you in our community. That it enables us to do good to all people. 
Greg's going to come up and play our, our song. Uh, I'm going to invite you to stand uh, with me. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to sing um, this song we always sing at the end. And as you stand, I just want to encourage you this morning. Two things. One, maybe this is new to you. Maybe hearing about the grace of God is new and you've never really believed it. Maybe today is the day where you say, I want that in my life. I've been looking for other things to, to figure out how to deal with my regret and my shame. I've been trying to do good and you're just tired. You're tired of doing that. Guys, I encourage you today maybe to just, between you and God, uh, tell him that you believe in the grace that he's extending to you, that you want that in your life. And then for some of you, you've heard it. It's been in your mind for a long time. Maybe you've doubted it, that grace could be enough for you. And, and maybe today it becomes real, that you experience it for yourself, that you're no longer wondering if the sign is real, if the bears are really in the area, that, that the gospel and the grace is true. That it's true and you would believe it for yourself. And then for many of you, because I know what you're going through and I know what you're doing and you're weary and you're tired. You're tired of fighting for what you know is good and right. I pray God would give you the strength to do it, to make it through it, and to believe that he is with you and there will be a harvest that you will reap one day. Would you pray with me? God, I'm so thankful that you have come into our lives for many of us and that you've changed us. I'm so thankful that I don't have to figure out how to work myself back to you, that I don't have to be good enough I don't have to measure myself against all the bad that I've done, that your grace covers it all. I pray for my friends who are here today who maybe for the first time would believe that. I pray for my friends who maybe have heard it a lot. I pray it would sink into their hearts and it would be what would sustain them. And then for those of my friends who are weary of doing good, who are wondering if it even matters anymore, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them today. Would you help them to continue to fight for what is good and right? Would you give them the strength? We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.